Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. If you brought your Bible, please turn with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I solicit your prayers. I just don't say that, but I really do. Pray that God will get the glory. Amen. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If you don't have a Bible, please share one with your neighbor. Pastor Jim and Claudia are enjoying their much-needed vacation, and I thank God that I could stand behind the sacred desk to share my convictions about our risen Christ. For those who don't know, my name is Tony Crockett. Not important, but Jesus' name is important. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy, your love. Thank you, Lord, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, how he works in the hearts and the minds of every man, woman, boy, and girl. Even on this day, Lord, we pray, oh God, that you convict, convince, and even change someone for Christ. We pray, oh God, that you draw on with your love, with your conviction. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We pray, oh God, that you would meet us where we are, on our street, on our road, in our neighborhood, right where we are, Lord. Meet our needs spiritually, Lord, that we may be more like Christ. Oh God, we pray, oh God, that if there's any saints, uh, that they pray for the ain'ts that's in the room. We, we pray for those who do not know you in the pardon of their sin, Lord. We pray, oh God, that you draw them by your Holy Ghost. We pray, oh God, that you would increase as I decrease, that you hide me behind the cross, that they see all of you, none of me, Lord, that you get all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do in and through me, Lord. Let your word filter through my heart, Lord, that I may be not only a hearer but also a doer, lest I deceive myself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you recall the famous words written by William Shakespeare in the play Hamlet, it was Act 3, Scene 1 to be exact. These words echo even today. It's a line we all heard at some point in our lives or we will hear at some point. And that is these words... At the beginning of that play, to be or not to be, that is the question. Today is not a question, it's a declaration. Like in the play of Hamlet, these words were spoken from a state of hopelessness, despair, and depression. These words spoke of contemplating uh, taking one's life in their own hands. 
It was a contemplation of life and death. These words spoke of suicide to end it all. Instead of facing life's promise, problems or challenges head on. Today I would like to entitle this message to be or not to be. Like in the play Hamlet, these words promote hopelessness. Well, I stop by here today just to tell someone, unlike the written play of Hamlet, we can have hope in God's written word called the Bible. Some might be asking me, why did I title this sermon to be or not to be? Well, I'm glad you asked. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants us believers to be transformed and be not conformed. Thus the title to be or not to be. For you note takers, there are really two points I want to discuss this morning, found or afternoon, found in our text. Point number one, point number one, the appeal, the appeal found in verse one. Point number two, the application found in verse two. Just like these verses are short, I, I, it is my hope and prayer that I'm short with you in my sermon. Let's read verse one. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Paul writes these to Christians in Rome, and he makes the appeal to them to, a, to be a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, they sacrificed animals all the time. They spilled the blood, burned the offering. God wants us to be a living sacrifice, not dead, alive. Notice, if you will, that Paul's appeal is a reasonable appeal. In this same verse, we see the word, therefore. You still got your Bibles open, right? We Bible believe in church. We're going to walk the text. Well, what is the word, therefore, therefore? Right? Well, the word therefore is therefore to remind them of all the reasons that were given prior to chapter 12. Paul says that he is appealing to them because of the mercies of God found in the previous 11 chapters. If you don't believe me, let's check the record. Let's walk the text. Let's look into God's word to see God's mercies. In chapter 1, it's because of the mercies of God that Paul had received grace and apostleship. 
It's because of the mercies of God through Jesus Christ that Christians, the Christians in Rome have been called saints. It's because of the mercies of God which makes Paul unashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God to salvation to, for everyone that believe. For the Jew first and also to the Greek. In chapter 2, it's because of the mercies of God that, that a man is judged by the inward circumcision of the heart and not the outward religious ritual made on the body. In chapter 3, it's because of the mercies of God Jews are not better than Gentiles because of birth alone. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It is because of the mercies of God that we have been justified, made right by the grace through the redemption work of Jesus Christ. We have been bought from slavery of sin and death and have been set free by his grace. In chapter 4, it's because of the mercies of God that Abraham's belief served as a model for all to come to God. For the, the scripture says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness on credit. Meaning salvation is based on faith alone and not works by grace. In chapter 5, it's because of the mercies of God that God demonstrated his love. That while we were yet sinners, our enemies, Christ died for us. In chapter 6, and because of the mercies of God, we can choose something far greater and better that wasn't offered to mankind. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. In chapter 7, it's because of the mercies of God that we have been freed from, the, the, from law's condemnation and penalty. In chapter 8, it's because of the mercies of God that we have the power of the Holy Ghost dwelling in us. It's that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead who lives in every believer. In chapter 9, it's because of the mercies of God that caused both Jew and Gentile to repent. In chapter 10, it's because of the mercies of God that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, guaranteed, no doubt. And lastly, in chapter 11, it's because of the mercies of God that God is not done with his chosen people. The nation of Israel, even those olive branches that were broken off, that we who are Gentiles were grafted in by his grace, by his mercy. That the blindness in part has happened until now, the fullness of the Gentiles, until the fullness of the Gentiles. When we think about the mercies of God, it ought to appeal to our hearts. Because of the mercies of God, at the cross, Jesus has paid for the penalty of sin. Because of the mercies of God, at the day of Pentecost, God gave us the Holy Spirit to dwell in us and enable us to conquer the power of sin. And I tell you, it's because of the mercies of God, God has already planned out. 
He has already rescued us from sin's presence on the day either by death or rapture. He has, what has God done for us? It's because of his mercies, he has adopted us, we who believe and receive. He has given us so much. I might be on your row, on your street, in your pew. When you look back of all what God has done for you, not, not me, but for you, it's because of his mercies. It's because of his mercies that we are not consumed. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. When we begin to have the right orthodox, and that is to say the right belief or the right reason to be a living sacrifice, I tell you we will have one of the greatest revivals you want to see on this side of heaven. It is only when our belief is right, we will be willing to present on a daily basis our bodies as a living sacrifice which would be holy or set apart for a specific use and will be acceptable to God. It is when we begin to think back, not necessarily in chapters 1 through 11, but when we look back in our own lives of God's mercies that we have received. We've been, give, we've been forgiven much. God has forgiven us so great, you would think that we would be more grateful. This word is not only for you, but it's for me too. The word is a two-edged sword. Got two edges. It's cutting me and cutting you. But thank God for his word. His word is truth. I tell you, when we think about God's mercies, it should produce gratefulness. When we think of God's mercy, it should produce goodness. When you think about God's mercies, it should produce a go attitude. Not only does it take, do we see an appeal to present our bodies a living sacrifice to God, is going to take application. We're talking about where the rubber meets the road. It's good to have orthodox or right belief, but there is a need for orthopraxy. And that is to say, there is a need to have right practice. We need to have right belief to produce right behavior. There's no need of us coming to church, listening to sermons, reading our Bibles, and praying week after week if we have no intention of ever applying God's word. It's a waste of your time. We need to have a mind made up with a willing heart but there still needs to be a ministry on the move. For what I'm about to say, if the shoe fits, then wear it. But for all others that wear different size shoes 
and you can't fit this shoe, I'm not talking to you. Many of us are still on milk, stagnant, idle, lethargic, stationary, on standby, not engaged, embarrassed, ashamed, disobedient, simply because our belief has just landed in the head and it needs to penetrate the heart. It needs to penetrate the heart on a daily basis. Here in verse 2, Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I like this because if we are to continue to grow in Christ, you got to continue to show in Christ. It's going to take belief and behavior. The right belief. The right behavior. Many of us lives are jacked up because our doctrine ain't straight. Our belief is off. We'd be, we'd be ready to fly off the handle, cut somebody out. Why? Because our belief is off. Our doctrine ain't straight. Simply... We haven't what? Surrendered. Surrender. Pay attention to this. Close attention. In order to be or not to be, it's going to take a surrendered heart to put in habit what pleases God through the power of the Holy Ghost. You can speak in tongues all you want for however long you want, but you got to put into practice what you preach. We as believers should be transformed and not conformed. That word conform conveys the idea to comply, to be fashion-like, to blend with the trend. Some of us got a chameleon Christianity. I'm going to say that one more time. Some of us got chameleon, not Christianity. You know, some of us, you know, we all in the army of the Lord, but some of us is in the secret service. To be conformed also conveys the idea to act like something you're not on the inside. We be faking it. We be hiding who we really are, our identity in Christ. If you're the only one on your job, believe in Jesus Christ, take a stand. We live in a day where the church of Jesus Christ is at a crossroad. I love COVID. You know why? It's the dividing line. Whose side you on? Whose side you on? Folks arguing about minute stuff and folks going to hell. We should be witnessing for Christ. They got this thing, false doctrine. I'm going to bring it up. It's called critical race theory. Y'all might have heard of it. 
I ain't going to get too deep in it. But basically, it's a lie from the pit of hell. Why is that? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I don't care what pigmentation, you got that? You are. We made a one race, the human race. I recall what Paul wrote in Philippians to the Philippian church while in prison in Philippians chapter 2 verse 12. He says, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence only, but much more now in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I tell you, we need to work out what God has what? Worked already in. Amen. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Help me out, church. Come on now, help me preach now. <laughs> For you Bible students... Those who might know this, when we talk about being transformed, this word describes, this is where they get the word metamorphosis. It's basically the picture of, of a butterfly, the process of a butterfly. What is the process of a butterfly in summation? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's real deep. They grow from immaturity to maturity. That deep, huh? <laughs> we who are in Christ, living sacrifices, we are to be changed. We are to mature. We are to grow in Christ. Ask the men study. My, the men in this church, they pray for me. We have men study. Great time. What's the number one goal of every Christian? Now, the men already know it, those who can. What's the number one goal of every Christian? Want me to tell you what it is? It's real deep. To be Christ-like. The Bible says, he who has begun a good work in you will continue it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's the common denominator. To be more like Christ. To look more like Christ. To talk more like Christ. To take a stand just like Christ. I don't care if your family forsake Christ, your husband, your wife, your children, you take a stand for Christ. Don't compromise. Don't blend with the trend. Don't be carried away, tossed with every wind of doctrine. Get in the Word. We are engaged to Christ. So that we're not supposed to be entangled with corruption. We're engaged to the Savior so that we're not entangled with sin. Help me out, church. We're engaged to Christ to keep purity so that we're not entangled with perverseness. Christ desires that we be living 
sacrifice. What a great picture. Abraham put a son on the altar. Let me ask you this quick question. Was his son dead or alive? He was alive, fully grown, and I don't know any child fully grown will let their daddy get ready to stab him wherever he's going to stab him on off. I'm getting up. <laughs> but, but thanks be to God, the beautiful picture of the scripture. The Bible says the Lord will provide himself, and I'm glad he did, a lamb. You know who he provided, right? He provided Jesus Christ on our behalf. Why? Because of the mercies of God. God wants every blood-bought believer to mature in Christ. If we are still the same as we were yesterday, am I on your street? If we are still the same like we was last week, if we are still the same like we was last month or last year, then we are not renewing our mind and we are hindering the work of God that he has begun in us. Hindering it. Everybody say this. A better you, only if you're a Christian, a better you is a better me. If God put all of us in the body of Christ, those who are saints, because there might be some ain'ts in here, and we're appealing to you, God wants God want you to be a saint. I'm not blasting you. God places us in the body. I don't care if you're a preacher or in the pew. Your gift is equally as important as, as the one you see in this, on display right now. Every joint, every part in the body is important equally. Equally. What does that mean? That God want to use you for his glory. Turn to Isaiah chapter 43. I'm in the Bible. We in the Bible. Isaiah 43, 7. I'm going to show you why every human being was created. Isaiah 43, 7. It says, Everyone who is called by my name, whom I have created for my glory, I have formed him. Yes, I have made him we were all made to glorify God go back to Romans we were made to glorify him to please him to honor him to be a living sacrifice every day to crucify the flesh to deny our flesh to deny the world's lust that seeks to draw us and drive us and destroy us all we got to do is think about the mercies of God. And guess what? We can get right with God. We can repent every day. We can crucify the flesh every day. We can read our Bibles every day. We can pray every day. We can witness every day when God gives us the ability 
through the power of his Holy Spirit to what? To glorify him. You know the best way to worship God? Now, I done been to a Baptist church, Church of God in Christ, Calvary Chapel. I done been to a few churches. Now, when you come to service, that's a part of worship. A part of worship. Do you want to know the best kind of worship you can give God? Give him your life. If your hands go up, but your hands don't work for the Lord, you better check your religion. Like the old folks, you better check your religion. If you a saint, then you ought to show a sign. Some of us be flirting with temptation on the phone, trying to mac. I used to do it on the phone, mac into the girl. Hey, girl, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Come on now. Live in sacrifice. You got to repent. Stop flirting with temptation. The Bible says, flee from youthful lust. You young, God want to use you when you young. Let's go, to, let's, go to, uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Notice what this say. Look at verse 1. Remember now your creator in the days when you old. Your Bible say that? Remember your, now your creator in the days of your youth before the difficult days come and the years draw nigh when you say I have no pleasure in them. Don't wait till you old, decrepit, arthritis to serve the Lord. Serve him right now while you're young. Amen? Amen. Serve him now while you're young. While you're young. Serve him now. He wants your heart. He wants your mind. Serve him now. Serve them now. Back in Romans. I know some of you in here, y'all some scholars. I know. I'm not a scholar. It's all right. But for you students, some of you can quote the Bible backwards and forwards. Right? That's good. But can we prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God by our lifestyle? Can you prove it? Can you put your lifestyle in the litmus test? Can we prove it? Let's turn to uh, James chapter 1. It's a Bible-believing church, so if you ain't do your Bible study this week, you're going to get it right now. Let's go to James chapter 1. Want to encourage us all to what? Read the Bible more. Pray more. The Bible said iron sharpens the iron. What that mean? If we all important in the body of Christ, those in Christ, guess what? The Holy Ghost want to use you to speak to the pastor what thus said the Lord. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be listening. Tell me what God tell me. He telling you something to tell me? Praise God. I'm listening. It ain't no big eyes, little use in the Lord. It's all about Jesus. I thank God he put us in the body because we need one another. 
That's why the Bible says, forsake not to assemble yourself amongst the righteous. Some of y'all been skipping class. I know the Holy Ghost just told me. Some of y'all been skipping class. Stop skipping class. You know why you don't want to skip class? You got to repeat the class. You know, there's some life lessons that, that you haven't learned or, or maybe I haven't learned because we don't want to stick in the class. Absent. God take role, you absent. He put you in the trial and test. Guess what? I want to get out. I want to get out. <laughs> Count it all joy when you fall into divers temptation, knowing that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have its perfect work. You know what perfection that God wants out of us? It's maturity. Maturity. Get off of milk. Milk keep you stagnant. It's zeal, but you need to add some knowledge with that. Where was I? James, James, James chapter 1, verse 21. Let's read what it say. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to what? Save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. If anyone among you think he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to visit the orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. God wants us to be unspotted. Not conforming to the world system. God wants us to grow in the word. So if somebody come through this door, talking about thus said the Lord in his false doctrine, he want us to pull that brother and sister aside. Let me show you what thus said the Lord. The pastor can't be everywhere. He wants to use us as his hands and feet to witness, to visit the sick, the orphans, to minister one to another. Some of you guys might lose your job because y'all ain't getting the COVID shot. What a great opportunity for the church to what? Help you out. We should all be willing to help one another in Christ. Your brother needs something to eat? Tell him, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. Man, go open your wallet. Go get the brother something to eat. Amen? Amen. Notice pure religion in James. It just is to do God's will for his glory. You know, Jesus has offered up the goods you know, I love economics uh, in high school because they taught you, you know, for goods and service, goods and service, goods and service, right? So Jesus has already offered up all the goods for our services, 
for our services. God wants us to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. To be or not to be. Let's go to 1 John chapter 2, and then we're going to end it on this one. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. First letter of John, right by Revelation chapter 2, 15 and 16. And it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. God wants us to be a living sacrifice. How can we know what's acceptable to God? Reading his word, applying his word. Asking God to change our heart. God is not going to rape your will. He's not going to rape my will. We have to be willing to allow God to change us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, Father. If there's anyone under the sound of my voice that do not know you in the pardon of their sin, they have not uh, repented of sins and turned to you, which is they have not turned from sin and turned to the Savior. We pray, oh God, that you are drawn by your Holy Spirit. Save them, Father. Let them come running, asking, what must I do to be saved? We know what it is, Lord. We need to repent of our sins. We need to receive the free gift of salvation. You've forgiven us, Lord, because of Christ. You want all to be saved and none perish. Bless the saints. Help us, Lord. Hold us up. Hold us accountable to your word. To not only, not only because of the appeal, but because of the application. Because of your mercies. Lord, touch right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.